Namaste. Today we <coughs> begin the, uh, we continue writings of Shurbindo, collected works of Shurbindo, volume 18, which is titled Cain and the Other Upanishads. Out of the 12 Upanishads, Shurbindo translated completely 8 of them, and others he has touched upon. Incomplete translations are there, some commentaries are there. Um, but the importance that he gave to Isha and Cain are enormous. One is that uh, Isha, there is a whole volume because several commentaries he had made. And again on Cain Upanishad, there are some incomplete commentaries, the complete commentaries. The whole thing runs into almost 100 pages. So these two Upanishads, uh, he gave immense importance. And we see this quoted here and there everywhere. For instance, in synthesis of Yoga, Shurabindo brings out the essence of the Kenupanishad. He says, uh, with every fiber we must remind ourselves that uh, that is the Brahman whom we must adore and not this that men seek after. Meaning thereby one should seek after the permanent and not the, the eternal and not for transient things and for transient satisfactions, transient pleasure. So he quotes that. And uh, so Kenupanishad is it helps us to understand the nature of Brahman, how to arrive at Brahman, even it gives us hints. And Isha Upanishad helps us understand the nature of relation between Brahman and this world. So they both complement each other, though the subject of all the Upanishads ultimately is Brahma Vidya. Brahman is the term for the absolute, what is the ultimate last reality, which uh, the yogis, the seers of the Vedic ages were searching for. And we have already discussed this, that uh, Upanishads are culled out from the Vedas. For example, Ken Upanishad is from one of the portions of the Samaved, Talvakra Brahmana. So from there it is taken out. Sometimes it is also known as Talvakra Upanishad. So um, the subject of this Upanishad is, uh, it starts with a question, Kene Shitam Patitam. By what impel the thought goes to its mark? It starts at a PhD, its own like very high level of understanding. The question itself, we are thinking all the time, we are feeling, we are seeing things, we are hearing things. What impels our sight to function? What impels the mind? What impels the ears? So it starts with this question. Isha Upanishad starts with a still further, the great statement, Isha Vasyam Idam Sarvam. So it starts with this question, what impels the thought to reach where it must reach? What impels the mind and all its functions? What impels the sight? What impels the ears, hearing and so on, the senses? What is it that impels us? And then it goes on to say that, well, this which we regard as reality is only a small, it's like a shadow play. And we can take this uh, as an example when we watch a, uh, you know, on the television, some events that are taking place. Let's say a drama or a film. So, uh, when you watch a film, normally we think this is the reality, this is what is happening. But it is not, uh, it is only the projection outward, outwardly of something else which has happened elsewhere. And supposing there is a, you know, as they say, ongoing TV shows. So, maybe the next show, depending on the director, he may decide to change things. He may even decide to change the ending. 
So actually the one who is controlling the entire play is elsewhere. But here the characters are only playing out their part. So it starts with this statement, this question and it goes on to say there is a mind behind the mind. There is a sense behind the sense. There is a sight behind the sight. There is a hearing behind the hearing. And it is this which impels the mind and the senses to function. Meaning thereby there is a greater reality, a greater consciousness which impels them to act the way they do. It doesn't immediately define that reality. But because that reality is greater than the mind, the mind cannot know it. This is the second part. So there are five parts of this Upanishad. So the second part is because this mind of mind... If you have to write it in English, mind with a capital M of mind with a small m. It is the, um, we can use the word cosmic mind, which determines the movements of each of, of the individual minds. So our little mind, our mind in its present state cannot understand it. And it, there's some very beautiful musical, poetic uh, verses, Yan Mansana Manute, maybe, you know, should read a little bit, I feel bit tempted uh, some of the favorite quotes chakshusha chakshu <clears throat> so it says yan mansa namanute yena hurmano matang tadeva brahmantum vidhi nedam yadidamupasate that which thinks not by the mind that by which the mind is thought know that to be the brahman and not this which men follow after here. So people are seeking for transient satisfactions. But this is not the reality. Reality, normally we say this is reality. That is a imagination. Now look, this is the top down view. That is reality. This is the imagination of that reality. It's a dream fact vision of truth. So it changes the entire understanding. Yak chakshusha na pashyati, yena chakshushi pashyati. Tadeva Brahman Tomviddi Nedam Yadidamupasa. Look at the poetry. That which sees not with the eye, that by which one sees the eye sings, know that to be the Brahman and not this which men follow after here. Yakshotrena Nashranoti Yena Shrotra Midam Sutam Tadeva Brahman Tomviddi Nedam Yadidamupasate. That which hears not with the ear, all these have an alternative reading, that which one hears not with the ear. <laughs> this is alternate reading. Shabinda gives. That which hears not with the ear, that by which the ear's hearing is heard, know that to be the Brahman and not this which men follow after here. Yat prani na praniti yena prana praniyate tadeva brahman tam viddi nedam yadidamupasati. That which breathes not with the breath, that by which the life breath is let forward in its paths, know that to be the Brahman and not this which men follow after here. So there is a greater reality and this is a shadow reality that is coming out of that. So if you want to understand mind, go beyond the mind. It's very logical. Often people say, but uh, I can't see God. If you could see God, if he came within the range of your senses, then he would no more be God but something inferior to the senses. If you could understand God by the limited mind and his play, then he would not be superior to the mind, but something which mind would be superior. So that you can understand, understand something which is below it. If we could hear God's voice, 
people do hear god's voice huh? don't blame them <laughs> then uh, you uh, he would come within the range of our sense he may come that's his greatness but first we must understand that he is beyond these limits and yet he is the mover of these things so he is not cut off from this reality he is the one who impels them so it's a top down view the ashwat tree of the gita and so if we want to understand the mind and its functionings secret of psychology go beyond the mind and then you will understand the mind so that's what yogis do so if we stay here we cannot understand if you want to really learn to see go beyond this sight and develop the inner sight which will come automatically because it is the greater reality if you want to hear god's voice quiet in all the surface noises and then maybe something of that voice could be heard like his gentle whisper in the soul if you want to really catch the true thread of life then quieten the tumult of the vital desires then you will catch behind our life a luminous force which is actually running as life the force of life the vilupta saraswati and therefore we can learn to live truly powerfully with a state of inner joy so in the second part therefore the rishi explains <coughs> If thou thinkest that thou knowest it well, little indeed dost thou know the form of the Brahman. Why? Because he is beyond the mind. So how can the mind really know? So it's very interesting. That of it which is thou, that of it which is in the gods, this thou has to think out. I think it known, and then he says that I think not that I know it well. Very, it's ancient way of expressing truths. and then it gives you know he by whom it is not thought out has the thought of it shri ramakrishna did not study vedanta systematically i mean he was literally in a way illiterate class 6 but yogis would come to him to learn vedanta now you see shri ramakrishna mission so many vedant books have come swami vekananda himself but shri ramakrishna what he spoke was vedanta he understood right within the heart he understood it by direct experience so this is what is uh, the rishi is describing he by whom it is not thought out has the thought of it you can't understand it by scholarly debate discussions understanding reading 10 books finding the etymology what word means what you cannot understand by that but he by whom it is thought out knows it not so you have to quieten the mind and enter into that reality then you will know it it is unknown to the discernment of those who discern of it avigyatam vijanata by those who seek not to discern of it it is discerned vigyatam avijanata so like that it you know the upanishad goes a very beautiful upanishad but we already had a whole <laughs> camp on it so uh, i am resisting the temptation and it gives that if you have to arrive at that reality you have to practice uh, don't get too much involved in it understand that this is not the true thing so it is given in the same phrase that it is revealing the nature of the reality it's also saying the method so he's saying don't do upasana of things here upasana here doesn't mean going to temple and all that did didn't exist in the vedic period what it means is that men are worshiping politicians leaders wealth power if you run after these things you will miss out on the eternal so instead of the transient 
seek the eternal. Now, in the seeking of the eternal, man arrives at a stage where he, this will again run through all the Upanishads, or most of them. He arrives at a stage of a greater enhancement of the human within him by the development of godlike qualities. Uh, he develops chivalry, courage, nobility of temperament, truthfulness, honesty. All these things develop within a human being as he grows. Now, when human beings grow into a godlike nature, gods are very happy because through them, gods extend themselves upon earth. It is just like a child is an extension of the parents. And parents are happy to see their child do things which they could not do. So it's the same way gods extend through creation and when any human being arrives at this noble, righteous, courageous, all the good, good things that we often speak about, that's teacher, gods are very happy. And once in a while they meet together and say, let's party because some good human beings are there and we have done a good job. So the third part of the Ken Upanishad is the gods are there and they are saying, we are so happy, we have won a victory. Victory for man. And man has collaborated. So in Devasur Sangram, what are the Asuras? Asuras are the dark, negative tendencies, constantly, you know, pulling things backward. You know, it's very interesting how subtle this distinction can be. Uh, you know about uh, probably the filmmaker Guru Dutt, some of you may know. And another context in the Western context, uh, uh, a novelist, Ayn Rand. And there is another who is a motivational person, Sullivan or something. You know, all three died of depression toward the end of it. Guru Dutt actually committed suicide. He has given fantastic films, Pyasa, Kagaj Ke Fool. But if you look at that films closely, fantastic though they are, they end up on a very sad note. It is like something very dark and negative. I was... Uh, watching once the interview of his son because as a director he was a genius of sort but despite that the nature was through and through negative and the son says he was completely a person in everything he saw the negative side <laughs> so at a young age uh, he could have really gone up as a very uh, one of the best directors in the film industry but because of that eventually you know uh, died taking poison so this is the asura in us which drags us down. See, when we always look at the dark things and we justify it, we think that's how it should be. Start playing the victim. I am the victim and I am the best and yet I am the victim. So this kind of, you know, if you read Shurvindo's Triple Soul Forces, what does the asura of suffering say? He says, I am the victim whom God has made to suffer so that he can enjoy. So there is a whole, yeah, there is a whole philosophy based on that. That God is a monster who created this. So this is how it inverses everything. So there is a fight between gods and the asuras. Gods say on the contrary, have faith, endure. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Ultimately look at the beautiful side of life. So in human beings this fight takes place. And every human being who crosses from the asuric to a godlike nature, where fundamentally things are sorted out, he knows that life has its challenges, its problems, but he doesn't look at them as, oh, how miserable I am, and he's no more always complaining about life. Then gods are very happy. It's a victory of the gods. So they are enjoying the victory. And then suddenly on the threshold of that uh, their party, wherever they are having, 
an unknown yaksha appears and indra comes to know that there is somebody who has come uninvited doesn't carry an identity card so he sends agni you go and find out so agni is known as jatavedas so agni has created all the forms what is this agni it is the energy in matter it is also an energy in the mind vidyut agni jad agni vidyut agni it's also the original energy saur agni three levels but in matter everything is built by material energy if you go back that's the so agni says i know all births because ultimately i am the one who has built all the forms so he goes and asks who are you so that yaksha tells him who are you what is your force he says i can consume everything because everything is born out of me and the yaksha picks up a you know yakshas are beings of the mid worlds they neither good nor bad you can't put them here or there so he picks a blade of grass and says okay i you are saying you can burn everything burn this and agni rushes with all the force but cannot so he goes back and tells i don't know who is this he doesn't seem to be a being of the material universe so why you goes why is the vital universe he said maybe he is a being of the vital world so why you goes and asks him same follows why you says i can fly everything expand everything and he says okay show me your power by this Uh, blade of grass and again he cannot so he comes back he says no he is not a being of the vital world because had he been that i would have definitely even blown him off so then indra says i'll go indra is the uh, lord of the mind so you see the three worlds so indra goes to find him and he vanishes indra can't even see him so he goes chasing him in the subtle mental worlds higher and higher and higher and at the end he reaches and meets the divine mother uma hembati at the apex of the worlds and then starts the fourth part he says who is he whom i cannot see he says yes you are indra the lord of the mind but he is the mind of the mind the lord of everything he is the lord you cannot see him by the mind so indra comes back he says is the eternal who had come why to remind you that this is not your victory this is the victory of the eternal now why does the eternal have to say that say if you think it is your victory you will stop the plan further but there is something more which is yet to come so you can't say this is the end point we have achieved the victory beyond a good righteous human being there is something still greater still greater so this is the story and then of course it is said still through the mind you can attain the eternal by quieting the mind by tapasya tapasya means concentrated energy and at the end what do you find what is the nature of this brahman so uma hembati the divine mother says you know he is delight he is sweetness so what happens to those who find him they are so much filled with this sweetness that wherever they go uh you know men are human beings are drawn towards them because they carry that sweetness inside their heart so this brings in the collective aspect how do they work upon the world just by just being uh, sweet in the truest sense the highest sense of the word that's why krishna is described as madhuram madhuram and shri ramakrishna would say you know like a flower to which all the honey bees come to drink the nectar what does the flower do flower just blossoms fully that's it and in its core is the nectar so this is how the kena upanishad starts from this shadow world takes us to next level of world which is the world of the gods but even the world of the gods is not the highest we have to go still further and discover the 
eternal. So there are three levels of our existence. One is this world of ignorance. Second is the world of the gods. From here we ascend there and thereby we become a god-like humanity. But we can go still further and must go still further. And there we discover the absolute reality. And then whatever that reality wants us to become, that we become. It's instruments, channels. And thereby we become participant in the whole process. So this is the Kain Upanishad. And as I said, Sri Aurobindo devotes a lot of pages in trying to explain it to us. Then the next is Katha Upanishad. So Katha, it's actually... So what is the story? The story is that there is a king called Vajashrava and he is performing a sacrifice. Now sacrifice always has these two meanings. In the Kathopanishad itself it is revealed to us. One is the outer sacrifice. You, you build a flame altar and you offer ghee, you offer this, you offer that. And well it has... Um, uh, it, it is not the real thing. Okay, the sacrifice is inside. But it kept this awakened or like a memory in the race because after all everybody is not ready for the inner sacrifice. So it kept that intact. So the, as a ritual, as a custom, like finding gods in the temple. God is inside here in the K1, like Amarnath Gufa, Amarnath is here, Khir Bhavani, all these are here, Mansarovar, but we cannot uh, understand these because it's in the subjective dimension. So in Indian thought, he had all these outer uh, symbolic representations of the reality. And they could be made jagrat. That's a different story altogether. So, Vajrasharva is doing the sacrifice. So, what is he doing? He's a smart fellow or thinks he's smart. So, all the things which have, you know, cows which have, their udders cannot give milk. They become weak, old, feeble. He is giving them to the gods. So, his son, Nachiketa, very modern, questions his dad. Who says Upanishad is ancient? Nachiketa questions him, Dad, you are not doing something right. Dad gets angry like any dad. How dare you say it like this? First he remains quiet, sheathing anger. Nachiketa again says, Dad, why are you giving these? Why are you being a show and a sham and being a hypocrite? Why? Because you are going giving those cows which are without milk inside. And they have become feeble. So why are you giving them to the gods? This is not the proper way to sacrifice. So father is again angry, but he is not supposed to say much. So he sits quietly controlling his anger. Third time the son says, Okay, whom are you giving to me? Oh, father gets very angry. He says, I give you to death. So the son accepts and goes to the domain of death. Now it is very interesting. What does he ask death? He asked death the best question that one can ever ask. Now, there are plenty of sides to it. We have a whole, again, <laughs> detailed talks on Kathopanishad and Noroma, so I am not going into it. But basically, he asked death, tell me the secret of immortality. Is there really something that survives you? Literally. Some say that there is something that survives after death. Others say no. So you are the best person, most qualified. You can tell me if everything is you take away or something survives. So death starts doing hemming and hawing that no, no, you see, don't ask this question. I'll give you cattle, I'll give you rajya, kingdoms, all this. So he says, okay, you'll give them, but won't you take them away? He says, yes, they're all transient things. I'll take them away. But you'll enjoy. He says, no, I don't want that. 
I want the knowledge of the immortal thing. Again, death says, why are you asking? Even gods don't know it. Just imagine, gods don't know it. <laughs> because that immortal element, the psychic being, gods don't have. So gods don't understand what it is. So, he says, well, gods don't know it. But that's why I am asking you, because you are the only person who is qualified to talk about it. Because you are the one who takes away life. So you will know something survives or not. So when he sees this, the God of death says, Nachiketa, you have chosen wisely. Men have two choices before them, Shreyas and Preyas. Shreyas, Preyas. Shreyas is the path of glory, the good. Preyas is the pleasant, immediately. What satisfies your senses? Your immediate uh, comfort you see. Happiness, transient, momentary happiness. But you have chosen for Shreyas, so you are the right adhikari to receive this knowledge. See, so here it, everywhere in the ancient Vedic lore, we will see adhikar bhed. Everybody was not given. It was not based on how many dollars you can give. You may be able to give a whole kingdom, but you may not be the adhikari to receive the gyan. And the yogis did not give it, just because you can give a kingdom. And sometimes they exacted a very detailed giving, Harishchandra's story. So because uh, initiation was regarded as something sacred and it is a difficult journey, not everybody is ready. Mother speaks about it, about the schools of initiation. So much of the Vedic lore was written in a format that the uninitiate would look at it only as external stories. But the initiate would understand its real sense. So, Yama is happy. He says, you have chosen wisely. So, I will give you a necklace in addition to answering your question. So, Sri says that necklace is all the powers of nature. So, see, again we see the integration of the greater reality and this. If you seek, run after this, you will get it and lose it. In the sense, when you get it, you will lose it. You think you have got it? Wait. Buy one happiness, take two sorrows free. But when you leave it, there is a poem of Sri Kama, where he says, the rule of the game is this, they who chase after me lose. They who leave aside, they get it. So, here comes this great Vakya, that because he has turned away from the transient to the eternal, now eternal gives him the secret, all the powers of nature. That necklace is, many beaded necklace is powers of nature. And then he says, your aspirations is so wonderful. So from today, the fire of aspiration will be known as Nachiketa Agni. That fire is known as Nachiketa, the fire of aspiration. Then he explains how to light the fire on all the three levels. It's in cryptic language. The bricks have to be put on three levels, layers, and you have to clean the ground, prepare the ground. It's all about our inner life. Then the fire has to be lit. Then he starts revealing, where will you find the nectar of immortality? With beautiful images. He says, you'll find it in the heart. The Divine Mother is there. There you will find it. You'll find it in the heart. There you will find that Angusht Matra Purush. He's immortal. Then he says that, you know, you have to... Um, Render these strings of the heart, attachment, then you will find it. Then he says, but if you are weak, you can't find. Na yamatma balhine. So this self is not for the weak. Who are the weak people? 
they they become easily afraid of things they become afraid because things are being taken away from them they become afraid of every appearance it's not just about corona everything they are not ready for this uh, knowledge because they immediately the moment the divine comes and says okay i am going to reveal myself to you so we'll say yes sir please so they will, he will start stripping us sir why are you stripping me because you want to the self revelation so but why me because he is inside you first he will strip the garb of sin and will say thank god i'm very nice i'm a sadhu bachcha then he will strip the garb of virtue and then you say sir please no no you have to strip completely to discover the self so it says nayamatma na balhine na medha na bahuna shutin you can't know of it by reading books scriptures hearing about it yam veshe vranute tene labhyastashyese atma vivranute tanu so when the self knows you are ready it will reveal itself to you so finally nachiketa receives the gyana the knowledge of the brahman because he has chosen wisely and then he comes back satisfied to he also asks when he says ask boons so first boon he actually asks my father should not be angry with me what a very beautiful child when i go back my father shouldn't be angry he says okay granted so like that the whole story goes then there is um, beautiful upanishad mundaka upanishad so mundaka upanishad starts with a very interesting question It's again, Mundaka Upanishad starts again with this uh, Rishi revealing that this yoga was first revealed to Atharvan Brahma. He revealed to Atharvan, and Atharvan revealed it to the next, uh, and so on it goes on. So, what is this yoga? He says there are two kinds of knowledge essentially. One is the lower knowledge, and the second is higher knowledge. So, lower knowledge goes up to a scriptural study according to grammar. It even says the three Vedas belong to lower knowledge. Their etymology, grammar, words, all this it belongs to the lower knowledge. But again, it declared that the Rig Veda is the higher knowledge because you have to get the essence, the truth, and not be lost in words. So, it starts from there. Again, it says there are two kind of people. one humanity which is and you can know it by sacrifice and here the sacrifice is very uh, in very powerful words kali karali when she comes rushing into the system and you offer everything then this knowledge is revealed to you on the other hand there are others who are bewildered they believe that there is nothing like a higher truth they are constantly engaged in the lower pursuits the lower knowledge includes everything good guy doing medicine engineer computer sciences this that everything is lower knowledge it is knowledge it doesn't say it is outright ignorance but this doesn't rescue us so it says he who in these when they are blazing bright performs the rites in their due season him his fires of sacrifice take and they lead him these rays of the sun there where the overlord of the gods is the inhabitant on high so again it distinguishes three levels to which human beings can arise one is where sacrifice is performed for lower purposes you know people go and uh, go to god and they do lot of bhakti outwardly at the end what are they they are eyeing on some temporary transient worldly goods of course mother being over compassionate and over gracious is okay my child you can ask everything from me 
Only two gods have done this. One was Krishna, second is Shurabindra and the mother. Krishna says there are four categories of bhakta. Arth, Artharthi, I listen to them also. But he says this is the lower kind of bhakti. The greater bhakti is the Jigyasu and the Jnani. And the Divine Mother says you can ask everything from me. But then that's where our wisdom comes. So there are those who are asking for lower things. So he says come with us, come with us. They cry to him. These luminous fires of sacrifice. But frail are the ships of sacrifice. Frail these forms of sacrifice. All the eighteen of them in which are declared the lower works. Fools are they who hail them as the highest good. And they come yet again to this world of age and death. They who dwell shut within the ignorance and they hold themselves for learned men thinking. We... Even we are the wise and the sages. See again the same truth of Ken Upanishad. Abhigyatam vijanta. We are the wise and the sages. Fools are they. No mincing of words. Straightforward. Oh you think you are very wise. Perhaps a little too wise for God. No there are people who say. Are God why did he do this? Why did the So sometimes you have to tell them. Okay it's very unfortunate that you were not there. And God had to make all the planning without you. Next time he'll do the planning with you. Are you can think so much. All this evolution has brought you till here. And you are questioning the wisdom of the creator. Rather say I don't understand your play. Give me the wisdom to understand the play. So you see that is the difference. Then he will give the wisdom. With which we can see. What is the logic behind all that is happening. But a divine logic. So fools are they. And they wander around beaten and stumbling like blind men led by the blind. They dwell in many bonds of the ignorance. Children thinking we have achieved our aim in paradise. So uh, what is this paradise? You will read it in typical religious literature except um, Sanatan Dharma based religions. Sanatan Dharma based religions are basically what we know today is Hinduism, Sikhism. They are all born here. Uh, Buddhism, Jainism, things like that. So you will see something very interesting. They regard the highest reality as Brahman, uh, about whom you cannot describe. And they regard heaven as an intermediary place. But you see the Semitic religions, heaven, paradise is the ultimate. So the path to paradise opens by good deeds, by being righteous. If you are a good human being, you will go to paradise. That is the ultimate. That also has been perverted to this extent that if you blow up children, you will go to paradise. Uh, I mean, what that kind of paradise is and what that monster God is, nobody knows. But that is even perversion of that. Now, there is a place, whether you say inwardly, you will be in a state of happiness. Satyagun people are inwardly happy because that's why they say if you want a good sleep, do things which according to you are the right things to do. If you do them by your inner Self, not conscience, but what you realize. You will sleep well. Otherwise, you may have a stack of money, but you won't sleep well. So, if you are not sleeping well, look for the causes inside you. Instead of complaining about somebody else, probably you are not doing what you should be doing. So, what happens when human beings do good deeds? They are righteous. So, what happens? They dwell in many bonds of the ignorance. Children thinking, we have achieved our aim in paradise. For when the men of works are held by their affections and arrive not at the knowledge, then they are overtaken by anguish. 
then their paradise wastes by enjoying and they fall from their heavens. Minds bewildered who hold the oblation offered and the well dug for the greatest righteousness and know not any other highest good. On the back of heaven they enjoy the world won by their righteousness and enter again this or even lower world. So they are not actually entering into the real heaven. Even heaven from where they can ascend further. So this was this heaven which one wins by righteousness was known as Swaralok. It's constituted by the rays of the sun. Which later on in the Puranic literature we'll read it as Swargalok. But originally it was Swaralok. So one goes there by righteousness but they are not allowed the complete entry. They live in, They are allowed some annexe. If you want to you know meet, I remember going to meet some that time I had never been exposed to some very big man with, you know, huge driveway and we were three of us, we went in bus, Delhi Transport Corporation. We didn't know what it means. The next side that greeted us was beyond our comprehension. We saw the gate but we couldn't see the house. We said, ghar ka hai? So, pehle to the kit man on the phone checked all this and said, okay, he says, okay, so he opened the gate. Now we are thinking, where is the house? So we have to walk through the driveway. <laughs> we have caught down in the bus. And he called us and we sat in his study room, which for us was very big. And in the study room, he said, what will you take? Coffee. So he picked up the phone and called up the kitchen. So see what happens? There are annexes of heaven. So we may come and say, oh, we have seen the house. Have we really seen the house? We have only gone to the study room. Where we sat and had a little discussion and came back with some gifts back to our mother earth. <laughs> so this is how men who are righteous, they ride to the backs of heaven. They don't meet the great, some angels will meet them very nice. They will entertain you for some time. After your deeds are over, they will say, okay, go back, back to the earth, back to the labor. So reaching heaven was never accepted in Indian thought as the highest goal. The highest goal was to know Brahman, the ultimate reality, call him God, whatever way, the divine. So these people come back again. When their deeds are exhausted, they may even go into the lower worlds. Because they have to now sort out about all the evil also which has been in their hearts. But they who in the forest follow after faith and self-discipline. Calm and full of knowledge, living upon arms. Now see, this got distorted into living upon arms. Meaning thereby they don't uh, ask anybody for anything. Give me a payment because I have given a talk. Give me my payment because I have seen a patient. They will not do that. So they will live on arms means whatever is given to them, they receive it with joy. See, in Buddhist discipline, the way of arms was this. That you will go to one house, ask only one house, and whatever is given, you will come back. So even in that asking for alms, they were self-mastery. But the original sense of alms was, you live with content with the will of God and He will provide. That's what the Gita says, Yokshim Bahamiyam. How He will provide is uh, His ways, but He will provide. So this is how, but mother knew in modern times what will happen. So she provide, made a nice place where you will be provided for. Cast from them the dust of their passions and through the gate of the sun, they pass on there where is the immortal. 
the spirit, the self, undecaying and imperishable. So we can see that, you know, uh, this is the object of the Mundak Upanishad and there are some very beautiful lines, very powerful, very famous lines which come here. Bhindyate hrida granthir shidyanti sarvasanshya chiyante chasya karmani tasmin drishte paravari very powerful. The knot of the heart strings is rent. Cut away are all doubts. And a man's works are spent and perish when he's seen that which is at once the being below and the supreme. And the description is given something amazing. What is that light? Jyotir Brahman. Sir, please give us a description. So the Rishi says, Hiranmaye pare koshe, viraja brahma nishkalam. In a supreme golden sheath, the Brahman lies. I mean, it's again beyond that gate. Stainless, without parts. A splendor is that. What is that splendor? There the sun shines not. And the moon has no splendor. And the stars are blind. Not stars as seen from here. All the stars in their original splendor, they become blind. There these lightnings flash not. How then shall burn this earthly fire? All that shines, all the lights in the universe, material universe, other universes, all that shines is but the shadow of his shining. All this universe is effulgent with his light. See that adoration of the Divine Mother. Even before that, where Shirobindo says, in greater mind, the whole world lives in a single ray of her sun. And in adoration of the Divine Mother, the sun from which we kindle all our suns, the light that leans from the unrealized vast. So this is that. So it says, Ki, this is the state. You want to see Him? It is the ultimate reality from which all light emerges. And then, but again a great integralizing truth. All this is Brahman, immortal. Not else. Brahman is in front of us. Brahman behind us and to the south of us and to the north of us and below us and above us. It stretches everywhere. All this is Brahman alone. All this magnificent union. Why? Because it derived from that. If that is not there, this will not be there. So all this is the Brahman. So it is the same story of the fish. When the fish is asked, tell me something about the ocean. And a fish has entered the ocean, it sees a big fish. It says, oh good, tell me about the ocean. He says, the ocean is above me, the ocean is below me. The ocean is to the left, to the right, to the front, to behind. It is within me and outside me. But I cannot tell you about the ocean. Tane jati, tanne jati, tade jati, tanne jati, tad dure, tad All this, just imagine reading this vast answers. And I personally feel so enthused that this is worth pursuing. What kind of nonsensical things we are pursuing in life? The ultimate, the real, the eternal, that alone is worth pursuing. And then it gives the image of the two birds. And how to win it? Now we have these famous 
words inscribed in the uh, Indian constitution. Satyamev Jayati. It's also there in, I think as one of the logos. And there was a program on this, a film on this. But you know, what? It what is the full meaning of it? Where does it come from? It comes from the Munda Kupanishad. So it says, how to find, how can I really discover? Now he is like a good teacher, he is first telling him, what is the object worth pursuing, what is it? And then he says, how you can find it in two small verses. This self, satyene labhyas tapasa yesh atma, samya jnanena brahmacharene nityam, antaha sharire jyotirmayohi shubro, yam pasyanti yataya shina dosha. The self can always be one by truth. Love is not there at that point of time. Okay, Krishna brings human beings and then the Divine Mother embodies it. This self can always be one by truth, but still, you know, love will compel us to be this. By self-discipline, by integral knowledge, samya jnan, it's not enough that I'll know Brahman has cut off from this reality. By life of purity, in fact, this whole Upanishad starts with this question. Tell me that, knowing which all else can be known. So he starts revealing this truth. This self that is the inner body, radiant, made all of light, whom by the perishing of their blemishes, the doers of ascesis behold. And then comes this one, which we know. Satyamevajayate nanritam satyenapanthavitato deviyana. Yena kramantyu rishyo yapta kama yatra tat satyasya paramam nidhana. It is truth that conquers and not falsehood. Anritam. Whatever you may do, try doing anything, cover the truth with 10,000 layers. Ultimately, it will come out. Hiranyakashup story, no? That's the story. Covered by hard matter, but what is needed? Faith. So, Prahlad continues with this faith. Hari is everywhere. In this uh, pillar, yes, he is there. And eventually comes out. But comes out in fierce form. So, it is ultimately truth means. But this is not the truth of our... We have made little pockets of truth in our false life. Legally, this belongs to me. So, that is not about that truth. But a truth that is there in the very depth of our hearts. Mother says at one point... Human beings live artificially. The only thing which is true is that which goes on in the depths of our heart. Even many times we don't know what goes on in the depths of our heart. Only that is true. And she says if that truth were to reveal itself to mankind, they will collapse faint. They think this is true. They don't know what is truth. So this is the truth. This truth that conquers and not falsehood. By truth was stretched out the path of the journey of the gods by which the sages winning their desire ascend there where truth has its supreme abode. For this yoga, Mother gave this whole, uh, it is the age of truth. So truth in thought, truth in speech, truth in feelings. It's not easy. Truth in actions. Truth in your will means the will should be united with the true will. It's extremely difficult, this practice of truth. That's why it's not like God is revealed to anyone and everyone. It requires that kind of life. 
वास्ट इज दैट डिवाइन इट्स फॉर्म अनथिंकेबल आई कैनॉट सी स्पीच कैनॉट ग्रास्प हिम सो इट गोज ऑन एंड ही हु चेरिशेज डिजायर्स एंड हिज माइंड ड्वेल्स विद हिज लॉन्गिंग्स इज बाई हिज डिजायर्स बॉर्न अगेन वेर एवर दे लीड हिम बट द मैन हु इज वन ऑल इज डिजायर एंड हेज फाउंड हिज सोल for him even here in this world vanish away all desires and then another two very powerful ones na yamatma na pravachane na labhyo na medhana bahuna shrutin this self is not won by exegesis nor by brain power nor by much learning of scriptures you may learn all the scriptures you may have geeta kanthast there are people you may be doing ramakatha all over and yet you may not know the self so this is the wonderful liberating thought and humbling thought it can only be revealed when the self chooses attaining to him seers glad with fullness of knowledge perfected in self doers of ascesis who have made sure of the aim of the whole knowledge of vedanta the inner being purified by the yoga of renunciation so this this was the path shown by the those who have gone before us and shubindra reveals it mundak upanishad so these are the three he completes then readings in the taitri upanishad this he has completed later on then readings in the taitri upanishad where he describes uh, um, you know what is om what is the what is brahman the absolute reality and then there are these four upanishads but these translations were done much earlier 1900 to 1902 so they are put under separate sections for instance the prashna upanishad starts with the question so six rishis go and ask rishi pipalad we have questions so he says okay before i take your questions you stay here for one year just <laughs> imagine show that you are genuine so people often ask they want to come and join the ashram no it is even more difficult yoga so four years you stay we will see whether you are ready for the ashram and the ashram is ready for you <laughs> each new person means new difficulties so after some time if you stay on that means at least something in you is genuine so this is how it is and so he tells them you stay for one year let me see after one year if you are fit i will reveal to you uh, give you the answers provided i know the answer so they are also sages who have come so they ask for instance uh, what creates this universe then they ask who is the greatest of gods why you like that they ask and the answers are very cryptic but these are the questions they our ancient forefathers asked which are questions of questions and some people reading some text coming from lands of deyat buddhi had the temerity and the audacity to say oh india was a primitive civilization we came and civilized it so this this when you read you'll feel so happy and mandukya upanishad it's all about om what really om is mandukya upanishad Om with this fourfold Brahman, the power of Om, how it uh, you know acts, operates in this world. 
how each syllable of om represents a state of consciousness and the atriya upanishad and the taitriya upanishad uh, it's about how the divine reaches out to this world and all the gods taking plunge and then the gods and the asuras fight and they win the victory but again the victory of the gods is about developing a good humanity and then still further next project which shubhendra and the mother have taken and of course there are some number of commentaries in this upanishad incomplete commentaries swetashutar upanishad because the swetashutar rishi wrote it and then of course chandogya upanishad which comes toward the end of the upanishadic age though some people believe that you know it came very early chandogya upanishad also mentions krishna is mentioned in the chandogya upanishad then brihad aranyak upanishad is supposed to be one of the oldest it's a aranyak aranyak meaning thereby the forest in the forest the sages spoke about it but it has been given the uh, its thought is so bu- uh, deep and profound that it is given the uh, same status as an upanishad and it, it describes the huge horse of the ashwamedh so what is this huge horse the whole universe is described its eyes are the sun the fire is the mouth its head is itself that effulgent light so like that it describes the great horse and of course kavalya and the nila rudrupanishad nil rudrupanishad the vision of shiva in his rudra form and i i have a feeling shubhendu's poem apocalypse is basically describing the nila rudrupanishad but in his own andaz and then there are of course incomplete commentaries and some writings on vedanta so we'll close with only one paragraph of his writings on vedanta where he describes what is really vedantic thought so he describes that in great detail and at the end of it he says our ideal therefore is fixed to become one with god and lead individually the divine life because nowhere in the upanishad this god is cut off from life it says when you unite with the divine then your life will become divine mother put it so beautifully she says what is uh, the difference between human love and divine love this is very simple if you have the consciousness of an animal your love will be animal if you have the consciousness of a human being your love will be like a human being if you have the consciousness of a god your love will be like a god so the whole stress is on changing consciousness and then returning upon life nowhere it is cutting us off from life none of the upanishads it is later vedantic thought which started cutting life because upanishads don't talk about love so people didn't know how to handle emotions so from that came the ideal of a very stoic tapasvi who is suppressing all the heart's deeper feelings and therefore upanishad too much focused on gyan become dissociated from heart and will and therefore now how to practice this kind of gyana they started going into forest started they took literally wandering in the forest so that's how they started exploring dhyana and till today you will see that vedanta teachers carry that stamp but original vedanta is change your consciousness and then lead life fully so he says to become one with god and lead individually the divine life but also to help others to the divine realization and prepare by any means humanity for the kingdom of god on earth 
Satya Dharma Satyuk. So it had three aspects of it. Realize the divine, number one. Lead the divine life, number two. And because it has to be a collective realization, prepare help in the preparation of humanity in by any means, whatever means is given to one for the collective, for the consummation of the divine in humanity. That's what Sri says that there are two things perfectly pleasing to God in his servant. One who sweeps his temple floors with silent adoration. Second, who fights for uh, fights in the great battle of life for his divine consummation in humanity. There are two things perfectly pleasing. So these are the three ideals. First is unite with God. Unless you find God, all the rest is meaningless. Then apply that divine consciousness into every sphere of life. So it will automatically transform mind, thinking, how should I think, how would the divine think, feelings, will, actions, everywhere. And then finally, as we begin to start getting transformed, the entire human life has to be taken up because the manifestation is not just individual but collective. What is the way to do it? Our means is yoga. Yoga is not, now he, one of the most beautiful descriptions, yoga is not as the popular mind too often conceives, shutting oneself in a room or isolating oneself in a monastery or cave and going through certain fixed mental and bodily practices. This is not yoga. He is saying yoga is not. Okay? These are merely particular and specialized types of yogic practices. The mental and bodily practices of Raja Yoga and Hatha Yoga are exercises of great force and utility, but they are not indispensable. Even solitude is not indispensable, and absolute solitude limits our means and scope of self fulfillment. Because, um, as the mother says, it's uh, much more easy to be a to you know make a show of being a yogi and being you know shut in one chamber and people approach you from a distance. But much more difficult to be a yogi in life, where you have not even proclaimed that you are a yogi or practicing yoga, because then you meet all the challenges of life. If you are a you know so-called qualified yogi with many followers, you have put yourself on a pedestal. But much more difficult to be a yogi in life. And by the way, Sri and the mother had done it. People may say, but Sri you know, went into a room. We should not forget, he had realized the highest experiences of yoga. While being actively involved in the Congress and the revolutionary movement, then Congress, which was split, and being in the jail with the sword dangling over him. And if he withdrew, it was because now a work which was to be done, like a scientist, it needed tremendous concentration. But even then, he kept contact with the world through the inner means and of course with all the sadhaks who were all exemplary representatives of impossibilities <laughs> and difficulties. Look at it, he kept in contact. That's how he could, you know... In his letters you can see that he has kept contact with all the world movements. When Amal Kiran asked him about the Korean, North Korean, that war, he says the affair is as plain as a pike staff. 
He says, don't be fooled by all this, you know, China is using it to expand itself into other territory. So what America is doing to snub them is doing the right thing. Because average opinion was, why is it snubbing into, it entering into somebody else's affairs? So he was watching over all the world movements in the room because he didn't need to actually go out. So this, uh, we should be clear. So what then is the yoga? Yoga is the application by whatever means of Vedanta to life. What is Vedantic teaching? All this is the Brahman. Brahman dwells in all. All exist within the Brahman. So when you live with this thought, this idea, will you be ever afraid? Tatona Vijugupsate. Will you ever be deluded by appearances? No, because you will see there is something like a God um, unfolding taking place through all these outer events. Hold on to that unfolding. Event, circumstances, they will ultimately drop off, change and only that will survive Satyamev Jayate, which is the core of truth. But you have to allow that process. You cannot take a shortcut. So application by whatever means, here he gives us freedom of Vedanta to life so as to put oneself in some kind of touch with the high don't stoop to the low. One, universal. Even in enemy, I look at my enemy and see Krishna's face. What is it? Application of? You have to fight and yet you have to remember this. So no hatred under any provocation. No anger. All these things come naturally from there. It's very easy not to be angry when you are sitting in a cave. But try meeting in life. You see? All the things you will hear, then you will have to. That's the sign that a yogin has mastered. One, universal and transcendent existence in us and without us in our progress towards a final unity. All religious worship sincerely done, all emotional, intellectual and spiritual realization of that which is higher than ourselves, all steadily practiced increase of essential power, purity, love or knowledge, all sacrifice and self-transcending amounts to some form of yoga. And at one point, the mother says, who is Superman? She says, apprentice Superman, all who are trying to master themselves. Whatever means, sacrifice, love, knowledge, purity, trying that itself is yoga. But yoga can be done with knowledge or without knowledge. With a higher immediate object or with a lower immediate object. I want to be healthy. Lower object. I want this body to become your instrument and channel. Higher object. So it can be done with either. For a partial higher result, mukti. Or for the fullest divine perfection and bliss. Ananda, bhukti, siddhi, perfection. So it can be done with any of these. Yoga without knowledge can never have the force of yoga with knowledge. Yoga with the lower object, the force of yoga with the higher object. Yoga for a partial result, the force of yoga for the full and perfect result. Depending upon whether you are doing it knowingly or unknowingly. Depending upon whether you are doing it for partial results or higher results. The force of yoga will correspondingly act within you. How beautiful it is. 
but even in its lowest most ignorant or narrowest forms it is still a step towards god namaste